Good afternoon or evening, wherever you're at, I guess. It's my pleasure to introduce Maxime Bernier to the show today, a notable figure in Canadian politics and the founder and leader of the People's Party of Canada, PPC for short, a federal party in Canada. Mr. Bernier's political career is marked by significant milestones and notable shifts. Before venturing into politics, Mr. Bernier built a diverse background in law, finance and banking. His political journey commenced in 2006 when he was first elected to the House of Commons as a Conservative Member of Parliament in a riding previously held by his father. During his tenure with the Conservative Party, Bernier served in Prime Minister Stephen Harper's cabinet holding portfolios such as Industry Minister and Foreign Affairs Minister. Bernie's political career took a turn in 2017 when he narrowly missed the Conservative Party leadership. In 2018, he resigned from the Conservative Party and established the People's Party of Canada. His journey offers insight into the complexities of political leadership and the evolving landscape of Canadian political discourse. And I'm very excited to have Mr. Bernier, Max, on the show. Welcome. I'm very pleased to be with you, Eva. Thank you very much for that uh, invitation. And, you know, uh, I believe that we'll have a good show tonight. I think so, too. I'm really excited for the conversation. And I hope I got everything right in the introduction. If there's anything wrong, um, let me know. And I do want to start with a little bit of a background about you as well, because what I've noticed, um, as we were just talking about before the show, is when you start to have a bit of a political uh, persona, people have ideas about you and maybe they're incorrect just because of something they have online or they learned online. So I just like to hear a little bit more about you and what brought you to this political um, landscape that you're in. Well, I want to thank you for giving me that opportunity to speak to your viewers. Uh, yes, uh, you know, I'm not a career politician. Uh, I worked in the private sector in Montreal for 19 years before being in politics. At 42 years old in 2005, I've met uh, Stephen Harper. At that time, he was the leader of the opposition. And um, I was at that time uh, vice president of the Montreal Economic Institute. That's a free market think tank like the Fraser Institute in B.C., so I was a VP there and um, I had a dinner with him, with the president of the institute, and he was asking for ideas for the next general election in 2006. And I told him very bluntly, you know, if you want to have more support in Quebec, you need to do two things. <laughs> the first one is to respect the constitution, mm -hmm. because in Quebec, we have two national sports. The first one is hockey, and the second one, referendum. And you don't want a referendum. And so if you respect the constitution, if you don't interfere in provincial jurisdictions, you will be able to have a constitutional peace. And he really uh, liked that. And I said, second, you know, you must lower taxes to every Quebecers. And by doing that, you will lower taxes to every Canadian. And uh, he put that in a speech in November 2005. And that was very popular. And uh, actually, that was good for Quebec, but that was good for uh, every uh, province. And after that, he asked me to... Uh, jump into politics and i was living in montreal so like you said in the, in my presentation my dad was in politics before me he was elected under brian maroney in 1984 re-elected in 1988 and uh, elected in 1993 as an independent and so uh, he was very well known in both uh, but i decided to jump into politics and I said I will run in both. It's about, you know, three hours by car south of Montreal. Uh, Beauce is near the border of the state of Maine and between Quebec City. So it's a rural, rural riding over there. And uh, I decided to go there because the name Bernie was very well known in, in that riding. Like the, the director of my campaign at that time told me when, I, when that campaign started in 2006, he said, Maxime, we have one challenge with you is, uh, you know, <laughs> your name. Uh, the name is very good. But nobody uh, knows the, the first name, Maxime. So I hope at the end of the campaign, they will 
have a, they will know the difference between Jill, my dad, and Maxime, and that's our goal. So you need to be present in the riding because I was uh, living and working in Montreal, and I was able to win with a very nice majority. So uh, that's why, you know, and, and why I decided to be in politics when Harper asked me that. At that time, you know, I, I wanted a smaller government that will respect the Constitution, that will lower taxes, a smaller government, no corporate welfare. So uh, more freedom, less government. That was my leitmotiv, and, um, and that's what I did when I was the industry minister. Interesting. And so your dad went from the Conservative Party to the Independent, He became, or he ran as an Independent. And did he have similar concerns or different concerns that you now share? Have? No, no. At that time, as you know, after Brian Maroney, Kim Campbell uh, mm -hmm. became the leader of the uh, Progressive Conservative Party of Canada. And, uh, and she was not so popular. And my dad didn't want to run under her. So he decided to run as an independent and was elected as an independent. And at that election in 1993, only two were elected, Jean Charest in Quebec and a lady in New Brunswick. So, you know, the, the progressive conservative party of Canada was decimated uh, yeah. because of the new party coming from out west, the reform party with Preston Manning and the Bloc Québécois, the new party also in Quebec. So uh, the Bloc Québécois was the official opposition and Preston Manning, uh, the, the third party, and the Liberal were in government under Jean Chrétien and the Conservative had only at that time two uh, uh, MP elected. Interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting um, for that time and that history. Just a good reminder of what was going on with the Conservative Party at that time. And um, so you had some very interesting roles when you were in the government and the Minister of Industry and Foreign Affairs. And is how how were those roles? How did you find um, like, did you have a lot of autonomy when you were doing them or? Yeah, but like I said, you know, I wanted to cut corporate welfare, no more yeah. subsidies in businesses. But as you may know, also, the uh, industry portfolio is the portfolio in Ottawa that is giving money to businesses, subsidies to businesses. So we had a cabinet meeting and I said to Hopper and I know it would be great if I can, as the industry minister, just stop that. And Stephen Hopper had a very, very good answer to that. And he said, Maxime, it's a big, a big changes, a big reform. Uh, first of all, we didn't run on that. That was not part of our electoral platform. Our members, the, the members of the Conservative Party of Canada, didn't vote for that also. So you don't have the mandate to do that. And, you know, I said, OK. But each time, you know, my department was giving a, a subsidies to Bombardier or GM, I was not the one, uh, the one doing the announcement, I gave that to my colleagues in cabinet and they were very happy to be uh, in, in the media uh, giving that money. And, and journalists and people knew that I didn't like that. So what I did, uh, I, I said, you know, I had a, a philosophy, name and shame. I'm not able to cut subsidies, but I asked my department, you know, these subsidies, usually they said it's a loan and the corporation will reimburse the loan. But these loans are never reimbursed and never. So I look at the reimbursement schedule and, you know, that was that was a real subsidies. So I said to my department, the industry department, let's put on social media, on, on the Internet, the corporation, their loan and their reimbursement schedule. And yeah. so that was public and these corporations didn't like that because everybody was able to see that they didn't re reimburse their loan and the pressure were, was on them. And so um, and the department did that. But after that, um, I had a promotion to be foreign affairs minister and the other minister just uh, took that off the, uh, the Internet and, uh, and keep that information private. Uh, so because of the pressure coming from big corporations. But I was, what I'm telling you, I was in government for a smaller government, but I was successful in the telecommunication industry because at that time in 2006, 2007, 
we are paying very high prices for the telecom and cell, cellular and uh, mobile phone. And so I put more competition with a huge deregulation in the telecom industry. We had more competition and prices went down and that was a big success. And I was uh, very happy with that reform. I think we need to revisit that reform again with the prices <laughs> as they are. But I, I want to talk about... Um, uh, I wrote something down here. I do it all the time, but it was scribbled so badly I can't read it. So we're just going to go into the the leadership. So you're you have these inter very interesting positions, and then the leadership comes along. So what what was going on with you at that time, and what was the reason you ran? Tell me about that. Yeah. So 2006 industry minister. 2008 uh, I was foreign affairs minister. Uh, was not very, you know, I didn't like that traveling across the world, you know, and uh, I wanted to have a position in a portfolio where you can do things for Canadians, but foreign affairs, it's a, it's a long-term policies. And um, after that, uh, I had, I had time to travel across the country and I was also Minister for Small Business and Tourism. But during all that time, I had ideas and so I, I had a blog at that time and I was putting my ideas uh, publicly. And when Stephen Harper in 2015 uh, resigned, uh, so I had all the ideas and I had a strong vision for this country. So I said, yeah, I want to run, I have a strong vision. And actually, the platform was very popular with the membership of the Conservative Party of Canada because I had 49% of the vote. But when that campaign started, I was not the first one. People uh, discovered me and I was delivering speeches across the country and traveling across the country. And I was the only real uh, conservative and speaking, and I, I wanted to end the cartel in the, in the milk, dairy, and poultry. I wanted to stop corporate welfare. Uh, you know, no more, uh, no more interference in provincial jurisdictions. Lower taxes, cutting the deficit. So I had a very strong platform, very popular. And as you know, um, I didn't win with forty nine percent of the vote. But uh, after that, I tried to work with the leader at that time was Andrew Scheer, and he was elected with 51% of the vote. So after 15 months after the leadership contest, uh, uh, I had a meeting with Andrew Scheer, and I must admit that Andrew was very honest. Uh, you know, I, uh, I asked him, you know, I have a lot of, I, we were in, in 2018, a year before the 2019 election. And I said to Andrew, you know, I had good ideas and a lot of uh, policies uh, for uh, the platform of the Conservative Party for the next election. I hope you'll take some of my ideas. They were very popular with the membership of the Conservative. And Andrew Scheer was honest. He said, no, I won't take any of your ideas because you're right, Maxime. They were popular with the membership of the Conservative Party of Canada, but your ideas are not popular with the general population. So my goal is to be prime minister, and we did a lot of polling, and they're not popular, and I won't be elected prime minister with that, and so I won't take any of your ideas. And that's what he did. So that's why I resigned, and I said, this party is intellectually and morally corrupt. They are not conservative. They're only conservative in name. They don't want to speak about real conservative ideas, real conservative reforms, because they're scared, because we are living in a socialist environment, and uh, they're speaking like the, the leftists, and when they're doing that, they're giving credibility to the leftist narrative. So I resigned, and we created the People's Party of Canada based on the, the ideas that I had and the platform that I had during the leadership contest. So when we created the party, I said, you know, if you like our ideas, you will come, come with us. We won't change. We will always fight for that. But if you want to change our platform, go and create your own party. So the People's Party is very different than the establishment political parties because 
we, we are doing politics based on ideas, on conviction, and we are speaking about issues that may not be that popular today, but we believe the more we speak about that, the more popular they will become. The best example of that is immigration. In 2019, I said we must say no to mass, 2019, I said we must say no to mass immigration. People were saying that I was racist, xenophobe, and today, you know, about half of the population are saying, you know, mass immigration must end. It's too much. We don't. We cannot integrate these people. And we need to have a value test. We need to do a better screening. That was part of our platform in 2019, and that will be part of our platform at the next general election. So that's the PPC, doing politics differently based on ideas. Uh, and for us, you know, we're saying no to political correctness. We're, and if you like what, what I'm saying, I'm telling Canadians, come and go on our go on our website and read our platform, peoplespartyofcanada.ca. If you like it, I hope you'll vote for us. If not, it's okay. Vote for all these establishment political parties. We won't pander to any interest group. We are doing politics for all Canadians, and that's the PPC. That's why we call the party the People's Party of Canada. So lots of questions coming from that. And one thing I, uh, maybe let's start with co conservative, because you, you say that, I think you're saying that you're more conservative in nature and you um, kind of listed a, a number of things that your government or what you want, the policies you want to bring forward, less government interference, less, less immigration and things like that. So in your understanding or perception, because I think these names have completely changed in the last 10 years or so. Uh, what is liberal is not liberal of what it was yeah. 10 years ago or so. So explain to me what it is in your mind, a conservative values. I like I like that you asked that question, because actually, at the last election, I did a rally in Halifax. And uh, I was saying, and I spoke about our platform. And after that, I said, you know, we are the only real conservative party in Canada, blah, blah, blah. And after that, the lady came to me and spoke to me. Maybe she was about young ladies, 60, 70 years old, something like that. And she came and she said, Maxime, I like everything, everything that you said, except when you said you are the only conservative party in Canada. She said, I voted NDP for all my life and I yeah. will vote for you. You're not conservative. And I said, yes, you're right. And I said, I don't want you to say that anymore because people like me won't support you. And if, but I, 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 she said, you must, you must speak about your platform because your platform is based on common sense. And after that, I use common sense. You know, we are the common sense political party. And that was so popular that Poliev copy me and uh, use common sense, but for him, it's a slogan. For me, that's the reality. So, so yes, we are a kind of a classical liberal party, you know, like classical liberal, um, free markets, uh, less government, uh, conservative family values. You know, uh, we're not a Christian party, but we family values. And when I'm saying that, you know, there's only two sexes, it's contradictory. It's a big uh, contradiction today saying that. Uh, I'm the only politician who said that there's only two sexes. But, uh, you know, for the traditional politicians, they, they're, they're pandering to the trans community and they want to use these uh, words and speak like that. But yes, we want to promote family values. We want to promote our culture, our identity as a country. And that's why we want less immigrants, because we want them to be part of this country. And we want, we want them to come with a job. Now only 25% of our immigrants are skilled immigrants, a person that will come here with a job because a Canadian entrepreneur was not able to find a Canadian for that job. Only 25% of them. I want more of them to come because they are skilled immigrants. It's easier for them to integrate our society, to participate in our society. And I believe that we must do that. We must question now the mass immigration. So that's the PPC. And uh, we, uh, uh, you're right about, you know, uh, real conservative. Uh, that's, that's, not our, that's not that. Uh, that's uh, common yeah. sense political party. 
Well, I, f I find that those labels have just completely been washed away. And what I feel that's happening more is it's whether or not um, a party is advocating for more personal autonomy versus state intervention. That's almost where I see a more of a distinction and it's where on that line that people fall. And so what I'm seeing, at least from the BBC, is quite a bit more obviously personal autonomy. Yeah, um, and I just want to add about that, you're right, because when we created the People's Party, we created a party based on four principles. The first one is individual freedom. Second one, if you're free, you must be responsible, personal responsibility, fairness and, and um, uh, fairness and respect. So, and all our policies are in line with that. And actually, I was the only national leader of a national party at the last elections to say that we must respect the personal autonomy my body my choice everybody must be able to choose if they want the the vaccine or not and i was i said during that campaign we must unite every canadian under the freedom umbrella everybody must be free to choose but uh, all these other uh, leaders wanted to impose a vaccine on, on people. And so that's why actually our party, yes, it's promoting individual freedom and personal responsibility. And if you have that, you must have a, a smaller uh, uh, government. So um, I, I understand that. And I'm, I'm coming at this not from any political background because I've not been in politics at all. But so you said with Andrew Shear, like you had that meeting with him and he was honest with you. He said, we're not going to go with your ideas, even though, though they, like you said, were very popular with the membership. But polling the Canada, it wasn't go, it, it wasn't going to be successful is what he thought. So is that something, though, that is that a bad thing or because you want to become the ruling party like that's the goal of it so then help me understand why he failed you so much in that conversation or what could he have done differently maybe yeah but good questions yeah uh, what he didn't have he didn't have the courage of his convictions and actually didn't have any convictions because he was doing politics by polling but i must admit it's not only him it's every leader polyev today because, yeah. yes, their first goal is to be elected. But when the population has been manipulated by the extreme left, by the media, you know, you need to tell them the truth. And I like to say that in politics, if you want to please people, you tell them if you want to help people and, and, and helping them, you tell them the truth. And if you want to help yourself as a politician, you tell them what they want to hear. And that's all the establishments politicians are doing. They are telling people what they want to hear today. And because the, I'm not saying that the population is wrong, I'm saying that the population has been manipulated. And the best example of that, it's a, you know, when I start to speak about uh, ending the, the cartel in milk, dairy and poultry, Canadians are paying twice the price for that because we have a cartel called supply management in Canada. Only 2% of the population uh, agrees with me. But now if you do a, a poll or a survey, maybe 40% of them. So you need to be out there with your ideas and speaking about them openly with passion and conviction and you'll have more support. That's why for us, our growth is a little bit slower. You know, 0% in 2018 when we created the party, 1.6% in 2019, our first election, 5% at the last election. And I believe at the next one, we can grow from five, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't know. But uh, and it's always with the same ideas. So we are offering another uh, option for Canadians. That's the midterm option. And, and I hope I'll be elected tomorrow, but I won't change what I believe in to be elected tomorrow. And, and our candidates also understand that. Actually, I must say that at the last election, I did a Zoom teleconference with my candidates and I told them the goal is to have 4%. And, and why 4%? Because they created a new rule at the last election for a new political party like us. They said we need to have 4% of the vote to participate in the national debates against the Polyev. 
in Canada. Yeah. I was I was able to participate in the national debate in 2019, but in 2021 they created that new rule. So I said to our people, my goal is four percent. We had five percent. I will be able to participate in the next debate against Trudeau and Poliev. But when I was saying four percent to my candidates, I was telling them, you won't win. You know, with four percent, you cannot win. But our candidates are there for the cause, and they know that they may not win today, but they will win, and the country will win a little bit uh, uh, later. And that's why we are very different than the establishment political parties. And the the conservatives they must promote conservative ideas, but they are not. They are not doing that because it's not popular today. So, so well, that's see. why. Yeah, and I, I probably would have had some different thoughts had I not gotten a little bit of public profile in this area, you know, like political and legal. But what I found, and this is why I founded an organization called Empowered Canadians, is I found that Canadians were very confused or lost or uncertain about political structures and systems and legal systems and how to participate. And just coming from like a, a position in an elected official or a party, I would think that it's a very difficult conversation to have sometimes. So I can see you're having the difficult conversations and it's a lot harder to get to where you want to get. But I wonder if that has part of part of something to do with it. And the other thing I've noticed a lot, and, and I think this is more happens in Canada than other places around the world, is they're really looking for kind of either a hero or somebody else to do the work. And I don't know if that's your experience or not, or if you feel the same way. So I can kind of now again coming, uh, I can kind of understand a little bit more where the Conservative Party is coming from only because of what I've witnessed. And uh, I'd like to go into that a little bit more with you as well. But I'd, I'd like to know your thoughts about that. Um, if that's what you're seeing. Um, if there's just a lack of information or understanding or desire to be involved in this whole process, are you fighting the fight? And like, sometimes I wonder, why am I doing this? And wonder if you feel the same way too. Yeah, but you know, I, it's it's normal in between elections. People are not looking at what's happening in politics and they're not following that like during an election, uh, the election time. Uh, but that being said, for me as a leader, it's the best time to travel across the country and having time to have that conversation. The only challenge that I have is with the mainstream media. They mm -hmm. are canceling me because I believe that they know that, you know, if I'm out there with common sense policies, uh, our, our party will grow faster. Actually, they're doing the same thing with uh, Robert uh, F. Kennedy Jr. in the state. The mainstream media is canceling him and he's doing a good campaign with uh, social media and, uh, and a YouTuber. And uh, I'm doing the same thing here in Canada. What is when I'm meeting people, a lot of them are, are, are fed up with the system. They, they know that it's not working. Uh, they know that their standard of living is going down. Uh, but they're so preoccupied of their own life to try to build a better life and uh, and own more money and being able to put food on their table that they're not so preoccupied uh, by by politics and they may not have time to participate actually to be like a member of the people party or a member of a political party. They're too busy to try to survive. And uh, but during the election time. I believe that it will be able to, to grow our support. Uh, and, you know, it's normal that people uh, today are more preoccupied by their way of life. And because we have that huge inflation, it's because of big government, uh, huge taxes. And, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, our standard of living is going down and people understand that. And I believe that would be a, a big wake up. Uh, when the election time will come. Well, and I have to agree with you. Um, you know, people obviously are so preoccupied. Um, when I started doing this kind of educational campaign and stuff like that, people were like, well, why are you charging for a class? It should be free. Everything's so expensive. And my response back to an, a, a, to a sense was, 
Maybe if we were a little bit more involved and holding our elected officials to account earlier, we might not be in the position that we're in. So I understand we're not in a good situation now, but certainly it's time that we we start doing our fair share. So I, I was talking a little bit about, uh, and you touched on that, the apathy and things like that, but then we also have, I see... <laughs> almost the opposite and this was almost the reason the reason that i i asked you to be on the show because my show is called dialogue over division i'm trying to bring back dialogue i feel like everyone's just getting cancelled you can't say anything right and i feel it's worse than children in a schoolyard that we've just become i don't know what we've become and it's strange and i think that it's time to stop so i just want to have conversations with people but uh i put out a silly poll on twitter and i was just shot down by your supporters and just telling me that I'm wrong and that my poll should tank and how dare you and then conservatives when I said that I was bringing you on the show they're like now your vote's splitting and what are your thoughts about so you have complete apathy from some people and then you have this almost irrational support like there's nothing you could do and they just they're like cheering for their team so strong, but, but I don't social, know, it's, it's yeah, hard. Yeah, that's social media. It happened yeah. to me, actually. You know, I have a lot of people that uh, don't like what I'm seeing and are coming on my Twitter account and Facebook page. Uh, that's social media. And, and, you know, that's okay. And if they're not polite or we're going to block them, that's not my policy because I want them to come and, and have the discussion on my on, on my uh, social media, my Facebook account or Twitter account, uh, X account, I must say. But uh, that, being, that being said, if they are not polite and they don't want to have a, a nice discussion, I will block them. But that's happening. Uh, but also the, the point that the, the conservative supporter are saying, they're saying that to me and to everybody, Bernie is fitting the vote. Bernie is fitting the vote. We want to get rid of Trudeau. Actually, I hope that Pierre Polyev will have a majority. Uh, why? Because I understand that when he will have a majority, he won't do what he, he won't act like a real conservative government. Actually, I had the experience of that. I was with Stephen Harper, 2006 elected with a minority, 2008 elected with a minority, 2011, we had our majority. I said, oh, okay, we're going to govern like a, a, a real conservative party. We're going to do a privatization, deregulation, smaller government. No, we did nothing. <laughs> Harper was a good manager of a big government. We did nothing because Harper wanted to be reelected and he was looking at the poll and focus group. So if we have a majority conservative Polyev government, he won't do anything because his, his goal as soon as he elected will be to be reelected and he won't have the courage to do bold reform. For us as a new political party, I'm going to say to these people after that, you know, you had your majority government and Polyev did nothing. We are the real option for a big change. And and uh, and the, the idea of splitting the vote is not there. You split something that is the same. If you look at all our policy on immigration, on balancing the budget, on uh, uh, ending the cartel and supply management, on the um, climate uh, emergency, we won't sign the Paris Accord. For us, there's no climate emergency. And the environment is a shared jurisdiction with provinces. If a province uh, wants to put regulation and fight climate change, good for them. But we won't, we won't sign that accord. Polyev will. So on climate change, another big difference. On the equalization formula, people out west, they're tired to give money to Quebec as a poor province. And I can tell you, we're not a poor province in Quebec. But the equalization formula is unfair. Polyev won't touch that. He won't touch that. He won't speak about that. But that's important for the unity of our, of our country. When you have about 25% of the population in Alberta who are saying that we're ready to separate, you need to answer that. You need to be out there and speak to them. But Polyev won't do that. He's taking the vote of Westerners for granted. So you, we're not splitting the vote because we are so different than the conservatives. And for me, I'm telling people, you know, 
vote for your ideas, vote for what you believe. You will have more chances to have what you want if you do that. Well, it sounds like the BPC party is not going anywhere from what I've just heard. No, 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 no. Like I said to my wife, I'm 60 years old, I'm in shape, and I'm there for the next 10 years. So the time is on our side. So uh, good to know. And then so speaking of that, you're the leader of the party, but do you have had four unsuccessful election runs? So where does that look or does that affect your prognosis of where things go? Are you looking at a shakeup or are you just feeling that that was a hump? Yes. So I must say that uh, after the last election, I didn't win. I didn't win the seat in both in 2019. I didn't win. I went back in both in 2021. I didn't win my, win my seat with uh, 19% of the vote. And after that, uh, we did, uh, we are a, a third party and we asked all our members if they want Bernier to stay as the leader after the last election. And I had 95% of support. So, yeah, and I want to stay as a leader and our members are saying, yes, we want you to stay as a, as, a, as the leader. And so uh, I did run in a by-election last June in Manitoba, southern Manitoba, in the riding called Portage Lisgar. And I didn't win with 17% of the vote. So I can tell you that 17 is a good beginning because I was in both. I had 19% very well known in both, a francophone riding, and I'm going to Manitoba and telling people over there, I want to be elected, I will move in your riding and work for you. And I have for the first time 17%. So answering your question, I will run back in Manitoba at the next election in 2025 in the same riding, and we're gonna build from that 17% and we'll see what will happen. Okay, so 2025 is your prediction for the next election, you think? Yeah, because, you know, I know that the establishment politicians are looking at the polls. So Trudeau, he can, today he won't be reelected. And same thing for the NDP. The NDP wants to stay in power with the coalition with Trudeau. So they will wait, they will wait. And I believe that their coalition will stand until uh, September yeah. or fall 2025. But we never know. But I can tell you the People's Party will be ready for that date. Or okay. before. Yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier. I can't remember if it was before but the incredible spending that we're seeing from the Liberal Party, like this government needs to come to an end because the accountability is just out of control. Like what we're seeing every day, every week, it's, I don't, I don't understand how it's gotten this bad, but again, and, and that's something I'd like to talk about, What how you saw things back then and if they've really changed. But if the goal really is, we, I think, for Canadian Canada's sake, we really need to make sure that this government isn't back in place. Um, is there any, I, I understand the concerns that you mentioned with Polyev's government and the Conservatives, but is there yes. hope yes. or like I, how you anybody works together or no, that's yes. off the table? Oh, yeah, you know, that, that's off the table. But what I can tell you is... Mm-hmm. I want to get rid of Trudeau like you, like everybody. So what I'm telling Canadians, you know, a PPC candidate elected will support Poliev when he will be, he will act like a conservative government and will shame him if he do the opposite. So I'm telling people, vote for us because we are your insurance policy that Polyev will govern in the right direction. And, you know, we can be like the NDP, uh, but the NDP of the right. So the NDP is pushing Trudeau toward the extreme left, but we can push Polyev to the right and support him when he'll be a conservative. So for for Canadians, it's a win-win supporting the PPC because we will support. I understand that Polyev has more chances to be prime minister than myself right now. I understand that. And but also I will be there and I will fight for the ideas in the House with other candidates that can be elected and we will support the government. 
when it would be in line with our ideas. So I believe that the conservative voters out west or all, all across the country can have uh, an insurance policy with us that they will have a real conservative government. Well, and I can understand that on a, um, a party level or a national level, but when you're looking at the riding and that's where, you know, people are bringing up the concerns because then th that's where people are going to have a hard time making a decision, I think, between a conservative candidate or a PPC candidate and ensuring that um, somebody with zero accountability or know how to balance a budget gets in again. So on a, on a national level, I understand that insurance policy, but what about on a riding um, scale? Okay, like I said, you know, in in Manitoba during my by-election uh, last uh, summer, last uh, June, and in in Alberta or in Saskatchewan, I, I said to people, "Do you really believe that if you vote for me, if you vote for the BPC, you will have?" A, a liberal candidate elected in your riding in Alberta, in Saskatchewan, in Manitoba? No, it won't happen. So, you know, you my have... riding. there were Sorry? a few ridings. My riding was one of those that um, it's city center Edmonton. And yeah. uh, we had a conservative MP, James Cummings, briefly, and Randy Boissonneau was the MP before liberal. And then, uh, James Cummings lost at the one in 2021, and we have Randy Boissano again. And I think it was 600 votes that uh, he lost on. And again, I'm not telling people what to vote for, but this is the concern that I've been hearing people have and how we reconcile that, really, or if there is. Yeah, oh, but what I'm saying, you know, vote for what you believe. And if you look at the at the data right now, the polling right now, Poliev will be in government if there's an election today. Mm -hmm. So, And I hope that it will be at 42% during the election campaign because I'll be able to say to people in your writing, you know, take a chance, vote for you in line with your ideas. Actually, look at the poll. You, you know that Poliev has a huge chance to be elected. So you need a PPC candidate to be elected in your writing to make the difference in Ottawa and be sure that Poliev would be honest. Yeah, and so I can I can appreciate that too. And like you know, rural Alberta is probably you know a, a good great place. But some place like city center Edmonton, it was there was a lot of um, you know it could have gone either way, and it did. So that's what happened here. And it was just interesting to me that a former Liberal MP then went back again, and then you like you know sometimes you don't see that happening, and that's exactly what happened in this riding. So very interesting to see that. But I, I, I think we covered that pretty well. And there's a few other things that I wanted to talk about um, anyway. One of, like, you were in government before, and then you're seeing what's going on here. It, like, did you ever think that it would get to this level of just complete, basically, neglect for Canadian people? I Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, what's going on, especially with the accountability of any financial accountability that's i can't did you yeah. see that coming no no i never thought that the state of our country would be like that uh, and actually it's it's our institutions also uh, you know for example uh, me and brian petford we uh, sued the federal government because we were not able to travel across the country during the COVID hysteria. Uh, Trudeau imposed a, a vaccine passport for Canadian travelers. We were not able to travel by plane, by train, or by boat. So uh, for us, it was against the constitution and illegal, unconstitutional. So we didn't we 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 uh, didn't win in the federal court, and we appealed that decision at the federal federal appeal court, and we didn't win. That happened last week, and the judge said your case is mute, moot. Sorry, uh, because you know it, it's it's it's. The, the restrictions are not enforced anymore. So why having a discussion about that? But these restrictions can come back and we're gonna go up to the Supreme Court of Canada. But what I'm telling you, it's our institutions. We are also woke judges and judges who won't look at the constitution and they will do everything to not give us a decision 
based on the Constitution. That happened all across the country. If you look at all the cases that the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms uh, bought in court and fight in court and fought in court, they didn't win the majority of them all across the country. And so it's very disappointing. You have the, the institution, the judiciary system that is not for me, not working. They, they're not doing their job by judging and giving a decision on based on the Constitution. You have politicians, and you know you don't want to be a politician these days. These days, the credibility of politician is very low, and that's why we. What I'm saying right now, the most important for me is the credibility of the People's Party and my own credibility. What I'm saying today, I said that five years ago or ten years ago, and people can understand that I'm saying things by conviction. But the credibility of politicians is very low because of them, and and the institution, the government is spending money like you know there's no end, and now we are paying with the inflation tax. So it's a big mess. Yes. So interesting you went there, because one thing I did want to talk to you about is, and this is something I hear all the time and I watch it and I shake my head, is you have elected officials posting publicly for the whole world to see childish, immature, finger pointing, and then blocking their own constituents from <laughs> responding. Like, what is your take on that? And like when you were in government, was there a discussion about this or did it just all go like crazy after you left and everyone's it's it's really disheartening to see elected officials acting in this manner. And it's from all sides, I think, from what well, I elected seen. official and also bureaucrats. Uh, you know, you have two kinds of, of uh, ministers or, or politicians. You have the one that will control their department and be the boss of the civil servants, and mm -hmm. but they're they're a minority. But the majority of them are t doing what the what the bureaucrats are ask them to do without uh, asking any questions. And, and so what you have, you have these bureaucrats that are telling politicians what to do, and politicians are, are too afraid to to confront them or, or, or to ask questions, and they they they're gonna follow that line, and that's why you know when seeing you have a conservative government or a liberal government, and it's the same. Yeah, it's the same because the civil servants are all the same, and they are there. You know, politicians are elected, and when they they are not able to win, but bureaucrats are not elected and they're there and they're, they have a, a security. So that's why, you know, you can have a liberal or a conservative and it would be about the same. So that's the deep state. And I had that experience when I was a minister. When I did my reform in telecommunication, I had my own deputy minister, my the first civil servant in my department, who was working against me, against my own reform, and tried to speak to other minister and deputy minister against my reform. So that's deep state. They think that they are in control. And and when you have when you have the politician of today's that their only goal is to be elected, they're gonna say anything. And when they're gonna be elected, they may do the opposite of what they said. So um I don't know if you saw the cross-examination I did with Prime Minister Trudeau. And oh, my... that, oh, congratulations. That was great. I saw it once and another time with my wife. Congratulations. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you. And um, the last question I asked him was, when did you and your government start to become so afraid of your own citizens? And I've been, like I was saying, I've been criticized by everyone for everything. And that's one of them. And at the time, it really made sense to me, that question, because I was I was on the ground in Ottawa. I'm with these regular Canadian citizens that are, you know, just trying to hold their government to account. And that was how they did it. And then we were sitting through the public order emergency inquiry for six months. And little Tamara Leach, the terrorist, was beside me. And all, all of the officials are coming and going. And there's no security problems. And I was just like this... None of this makes sense to me. And that was my question to him. So a two-part question. Do you think that the government uh, is scared of their own people? Because an, an additional component I thought of later is that, and you were kind of alluding to this, is civil servants 
it's the opposite. They're afraid of their government. They're afraid of the government, whereas independent Canadians, the government is afraid of them. Do you think I have that right or did I get something or it's way more complicated than that? No, you have that right. I was in Ottawa also at the same time, and uh, you were there. We saw that. That was not a protest. That was a celebration because we knew at that time that we had the momentum and these uh, draconian measures will end the day, and it happened a couple of weeks after that. But when you asked that question to the prime minister, yes, he was scared. He wanted to, he wanted to control. He didn't want to have any discussion with us, and the they were telling that we're racist and Nazi and all that, and that was not true. And the media also uh, played that game. And uh, and Trudeau wanted to control and to impose his point of view. He was acting like a dictator. And the the fact that what he did also with the bank accounts of you know Canadians uh, donors who donated their money to the, the cause. They've, he, they froze their account. That was the first, without any earring, without anything. And uh, so that was, uh, that was a, a, a government afraid of his own people and did everything to control them. And that's what he did. Uh, it's a shame. And it would be, and I, I really appreciate what you did. And when you asked the question also, uh, did you lie or something like that? Uh, why did you lie? Uh, well, so I'll, the... I'll tell you the question again, because it, it was actually about whether if the role of a prime minister or leader is to unite its citizens yeah. or divide them by name calling. And he yeah. said, I, de I never called anyone names. Yeah, that was a good question. He did that in French, actually, yes. and uh, in, a, in a TV show. But uh, that was great. You did a good job over there. But yes, you know, we have a government uh, that is only there for themselves and they don't care about Canadians. They don't care about Canadians anymore. Yeah, well, I think that the trucker protest, like just the protest, what that's what I've been trying to remind people now about because it was just so heated and political and divisive. Really what you had was Canadian citizens going to Ottawa and trying to hold their government to account. They did it maybe in not the same way that other people would, but that was about as nefarious as it was. And so just looking back on it now, I try to remind people that that's all it was. So um, I appreciate that because it's interesting to hear your perspective, given that you number one were there and you were in that position or those positions before. So I'd like to wrap it up here. If you have any final um, comments or thoughts you wanted to add, and then we're going to do a few more minutes um, for the paid X subscribers. No, I really appreciate it. And I want to thank you for that time. And uh, we had a very good discussion. So uh, I hope I'll be able to come back on your show uh, in the next time. Or if you have any questions, don't hesitate to be in touch with our team. And um, I want to thank you again for what you did in Ottawa. And, you know, when you were uh, interrogating uh, the, the prime minister, that was great. And uh, that was a, a good time in our democracy being able to have the prime minister and being able to ask him questions and looking at his answers and lying to the population. That was a big moment. And I want to thank you for all that. And let's stay in touch. So, um, and um, I really appreciate my time with you. My pleasure. And great to have you. It, it, my show, like I said, is called Dialogue Over Division. And the reason I wanted to have you is there was so much division at that moment. And I'm like, let's have a dialogue about it. So here we are. So thank you for that again. And um, we'll catch up in a moment here. Thank you, Eva.